So the cold open, you guys just jump in, right? You just ask. Yeah. You ready for a mm-hmm. hot take? Quick question. All right. I so, have no idea what this is, by the way. It wasn't in the notes. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So James wrote in, said, in heaven, it's taught that there will be no more marriage between husband and wife. Does this mean we will no longer, quote, be fruitful and multiply or no more children? Yeah. So that's a great question, James. Um, so there's there's two things. So first is the teaching of Jesus. And so that whole uh, portion in scripture, James, is about the resurrection. So um, what they're trying to do is trap him. You know, is there a resurrection or is there not a resurrection? And so really that's the that's kind of the the overarching question behind the question. So it really has nothing to do with marriage. It has to do with, is the resurrection real or not? So some Jews believed uh, in the resurrection, the Pharisees. Some Jews did not believe. They did not believe there was a resurrection. And so that's why, um, you know, procreation is so important for the Jews. So the Sadducees believe that resurrection was through your children and your grandchildren and through your lineage. Um, so again, it's one of the reasons why when we talk about abortion, why for the Jewish mindset, abortion would have been unheard of and unthought of because your children are literally so important. So, so that's the question, you know, um, is our lineage carried through resurrection or is it carried through uh, multiplication and, and through children and grandchildren and, and, you know, your family line? So that's the overarching question. So Jesus is saying, you, you do not understand um, that. So they ask this question. So let's say a guy's married, this woman's married seven times. Oh, yeah which poor lady right? yeah. is terrible. This marriage um, her husband's brother. Because in the brother. ancient world, like if you and Tyler are married, so mm-hmm. this is Stephanie, uh, she's married to Tyler and Tyler dies and he has not produced any kids in you. Your your future, your social security, your livelihood is your children. Mm-hmm. So you would marry, does Tyler have a brother? No. Okay, well, let's um, say he has a brother. So you would marry him and his brother's job would be to give you children, mm-hmm. um, but they would be in Tyler's name. Oh. So it's just, it's, it's weird. Yeah. It's part of the culture. So, um, so, that, that, that's the whole thinking behind this. And what Jesus is saying is, look, you know, in heaven, you're not going to be married nor given in marriage. And so for those of you who have a healthy marriage, you're like, oh, that's so sad. But most women in those days, right, they right. were they were right. shackled we're to some terrible dude. <laughs> so for most women in human history, this is like a blessing. Oh, my gosh, I don't have to be married to this moron. <laughs> so it just, it, it just depends on our, our perspective. So from strictly what Jesus is teaching here, James, I would say, no, we would not continue to, to multiply and create children. Then, but then there's a problem. Isaiah, when Isaiah looks into the future and he sees the kingdom of God, he sees the new heaven and the new earth, he sees children. Hmm. So uh, is he just speaking prophetically? But, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think he's actually speaking. He actually sees children. So that's where um, I don't think we will make children, but we may be able to raise the children we lost. Yeah. And so we have that opportunity to get back what we missed out on. And so, you know, so I, I don't know, James. What I know is this, Jesus says that uh, every tear will be wiped away, every heartache will be healed. And so I, I, I think that, you know, and everything, you know, Jesus says everything that you lost for the king, for the kingdom, will you, you will get a hundredfold. And so we, we don't know. That's a great question. My teaching this weekend was, um, look, sex is a temporary thing that is for right now. It's not forever. So don't give up eternity because of something that you want right now. Mm -hmm. So whether you spend eternity in heaven or hell, sex is not going to be a part of what you do because you will, according to Jesus, be like the angels, sex less, um, which creates all kinds of different challenges because, you know, what does that mean when, you know, the the people in Sodom and Gomorrah wanted to have sex with the angels? So it, it, this just creates like this, uh, is Pandora the right word? Pandora's yeah. box of, yeah. of all of these questions. So let me just try to, to to focus on specifically, James, what Jesus is saying is we will be sexless. And so I believe, I think it's safe to say we will not procreate 
in in the new in heaven for certain uh, because we don't have bodies. That's a whole nother. <laughs> Uh, issue. A lot of people don't realize when you go to heaven, you don't have a body until the resurrection. Yeah. So in the book of Revelation, they ask the Lord, how long will we will we not be clothed? Mm-hmm. And God gives them robes and says, hold on. So um, to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. That's the good thing. But we were made to be whole people. And so we are we are made to be embodied spirits. So we have bodies uh, that, that house spirits. When we die, our spirit goes to be with the Lord, but our body's in the ground or it's cremated or it's, you know, wherever it is at the bottom of the ocean, wherever you, you took your last breath. But at the resurrection, our soul will be united with our new body that will be far different from the old one and glorious. I'm looking forward to my <laughs> glorious, super buff, amazing body. You all are going to go, wow. So James, long answer, uh, but, but I think the bottom line is no, we're not, we're not going to be multiplying and making kids. It's something that we're to do on earth. The commandment is multiply and fill the earth. I feel mm-hmm. like we've done that. Way to yeah. go guys. Nice Way to go cool. team. It's one of the very few commandments that we've fulfilled. Nailed it. Uh, you're doing it too. Hey, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All done doing it. Yes. Yeah. All, all done already. Oh, yeah. oh, oh you yeah. sold out quick. Okay. Yeah. Two is plenty. Yes. Two love is. them a lot. Not sure I could, I yeah. would love more, but we're yeah. done. Okay. So there you go, James. Uh, that was a tough, cold, open question. I was not yeah. ready for that one at all, but a great question, James. And again, uh, long answer. Hope it provided some clarity. Maybe I just confused you all. So thank you. And welcome to a new season of the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown, the podcast where author and pastor Matt Brown debriefs current issues shaping our culture from a spiritual perspective and answers your questions about Christianity. I'm Stephanie Schaefer. I get to guest host today for the lovely Donna Martin. I'm here for the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. Yeah. And and for those of you who are new listeners, Stephanie used to be the old host. I was the old host. When she was single, news, yeah. vibrant. Single, fun. Yes. Right out, now. could yeah. do anything. Now you're married. Two have, kids. Two kids. Stay you have home a dog. Mom. We do have a dog. Have a we dog. went. We went full America. Yeah, no, you two kids and a dog. In. We did. But you have, um, you and your husband Tyler have your first book coming out this Christmas. We do. Yeah. So he's written a couple other poetry books. This is the first one that he's done. That's a fully illustrated uh, poetry book called "The First Christmas Carol." Okay, and I read it and I cried. I know. Me too. It's yeah, so it was good. so good. Yeah. So all of our um, people out there that are looking for a great gift for grandkids or for kids, mm-hmm. buy this book. Um, seriously. Mm-hmm. I yeah. cried when I read it. I thought it was great. Um, well, and your daughter Kennedy did all the yes. illustration for it, and it's beautiful. Yeah, she so, blew it away. So my so. daughter did all the illustration. Your husband did all the writing. Mm-hmm. I think you did all the editing. <laughs> I did, yeah, I did all the editing and all the stuff to actually make it a real book now. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, how can they get that book? Yeah, so we're actually going to uh, get to be at the Cultivate Gathering this Friday night. So we're selling those. We're praying the books actually arrive on time. We're waiting for them oh, to ship right sorry. now, but they should be here on time. Uh, then we have, there's a local shop here in town that, that's going to be selling them. And then- uh, What we'll shop? Be, uh, the Ampersand Gifts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't been yet. Tammy's been. She oh, it's it. cool. It's really cool. My kids have to go there all the time because they went in once and Denise let them play with all the, they have really cool kids stuff in there too. Uh, so we'll be there. We'll be, it'll be on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Uh, we'll be popping up at some little Christmas marketplaces here in Riverside and- yeah, so you can check it out. Yeah, um, I hope it does well. I think you guys are going to do, I think it's going to do well. I hope so. so. I feel like, yeah. yeah, we've been given lots of random opportunities to sell it, which we've never had before. So I'm excited. And it's it's amazing. It's the it's the Christmas carol, if it was telling the story of when Jesus was born. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's fabulous. It's I mean, I got cool. choked up. So yeah. check that book out. And yeah. welcome back, Stephanie. Thanks, um, I actually ran to into Party oh, a yeah. couple weeks ago downtown at like 7 a.m. at a coffee shop downtown. Wow. So when Tammy and I were homeless, I don't know if you knew that, we were homeless for a couple <laughs> yeah. Couple of weeks we stayed at the Mission Inn, um, 
And by the way, mission in, get your act together. I don't know oh, what's no. happening. Is it not good? Oh my gosh. I've been it's a just, long time. Yeah. Yeah. COVID has not been not made to... everywhere beautiful no. and the mission in, man. Oh, it, no. was, oh, it was so bad. So um and I don't like just throwing stuff under the bus, but I just did. Yeah. The mission sorry. is a wonderful, beautiful place once upon a time. Yeah. And now not so much. No. So anyways, we were staying there. So we we left the mission in to get some real coffee and we we ran into party. Uh so um Stephanie, Justin, and myself started the, the debrief years ago. Yeah. And um, here we are. Here we are. Back yeah. again. You left us, got married, had children. I did. I know. Then, you know. I paid you more than you get paid now. You, yeah. Like you're a lot, you, ni- you you're a lot nicer than the, the people I work with I know. all day now. I, know. So. I, was, I treated you with respect and you love. You did. You said please when you asked for snacks. Never vomited on you. No, not once. So, yeah. But yeah. Well, welcome good. back. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So I'm a little jealous I don't get to meet Donna, though. I've been listening in and I love her. Yeah, so. Donna's great. Yeah. So she's not with us today. She's on the East Coast somewhere. Yeah. She's flying. Oh. She has a deep fear of flying. Oh, no. She has issues with closed doors. I, I, I get that. Yeah. I want the door to stay closed when I'm on the plane. No, me too. You know what I don't want? Have you seen all these videos of people flipping out on planes? Mm-hmm. I just want you guys to know I'm going straight Rambo on somebody. If somebody <laughs> flips out on my plane, I'm going to bite their ear. I, I, you look, <laughs> I, I will turn the other cheek when we are on the ground. Yeah. I will turn your air. cheek. If we are in the air, I, yeah. man, I, I have you no, in that seatbelt. I have no tolerance for your psychosis on an airplane. No, like, not I love you. Space. Pray for you. When we got on the ground, I'm putting my elbow in your eardrum. Yeah. No, we flew with our kids for the first time a couple oh, months ago. Gosh. I was. Where'd you go? Oh, uh, we went to Washington to see my friend's family. Okay, so, okay. that's not that yeah. far. No, it was nice. Like our direct, missionaries like, from oh, our church that to have overseas. to fly like 17, 18 hours. I'm no. like, oh. two hours. I was done. Yeah. So I don't know how they. Uh, so Tammy wanted uh, a fourth kid, and mm-hmm. we were on an airplane one time with mm-hmm. our three, mm-hmm. and I. She was on the seat behind me. I literally sat up, looked at her, and said, "This is why I don't want four <laughs> on an airplane." This is what I said because our kids were terrible. Oh no. See, that's what we saw on the airplane. I was like, look, divide and conquer one-on-one. We can do this. We yeah. have one more kid. Who, I know. That kid's well, on the We own. had that third kid. So. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I have so many gray hairs. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Gray is gorgeous. I'm oh. letting my gray hair come out soon. Eventually yeah. here. So, all right. So, um, we are super excited. We've been getting so many questions here on the debrief. I've been loving listening in. If you guys have questions, we would love to get them. You can send those in at move.se slash ask. You can send questions about the weekend message or things that you're interested in, you're hearing about in culture and you want to get Pastor Matt's perspective. This is the place for that. We love getting your questions. I love listening. I get to be a listener now. That's so great. Yeah. I've been, I'm really grateful for all the questions. Do so you have a critical spirit or a complimentary spirit? Complimentary. Oh, I'm a nine. You know, no, I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, so I love yeah. the nines. We love you. Thank you. We love all sides of you. So. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, so I am super excited that I get to be here after you preached a, a message on a different sexuality mm-hmm. this weekend. Um, can you just kind of summarize your sermon and kind of why you yeah, want we're, to talk about that? When you were single, you were living with me, right? I was. Yeah, yeah. well, I was engaged. Yeah. So I got it, was, you. it was crunch I got time. You. I got you to the throne, didn't you I? You did. I yeah. Did. There is no better <clears throat> way to have self-control than knowing you have to go sleep at your pastor's house. I know. Night, so. I'd be like, what'd you do? <laughs> How are you guys Absolutely doing? Absolutely nothing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So poor Stephanie. So right before you got married, I think you guys were trying to save money to get a place or something. Yeah. That's weird though. So so I'm your boss. I'm your, your boss. pastor. Yeah. And I was your landlord. Yes. How was I? Great. Okay, good. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Good. yeah. yeah we've had, um, I don't know how many employees over the years we've had live at, yeah. uh, from Sandals live with us. Some oh, went great. great. <laughs> Some <laughs> not, so. not so great because living with people is not, you know, that easy but know. you know um 
so it's something that I'm really passionate about. And again, I mean, you can testify to the fact that I, I don't just preach this. I believe this. And it's something Absolutely, that I wanted yeah. so badly for you, yeah. um, you know, to make it to your wedding day. It's not easy, especially you guys were older mm-hmm. uh, than some couples. I mean, I think, were you 30? I was 31. I, th- okay, I was so you, 30 when we met, 31 when we got Yeah, married. so you were 31 years old. And so it's not like you were, you know, you were 18 and 19 and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like your dad, Stephanie, yeah. you know, you need to make it. But you, I was just like, look, you, you've, you've made it this far. Yeah let's, let's do this the right way. And you guys did. And I was so, I was so proud of you. I think I actually cried at your wedding. Yeah. It was, it was beautiful. It was amazing. Um, and so, so I just want people to know, this is not something that I I, I say for the press. I think that Mm -hmm. in, in our world, you know, like, uh, Tammy and I've been watching, um, you know, the special on Liberty university with, uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. And, and, and what, what just makes me so sick about that is that, they're standing up for conservative values on the one hand, but privately they're living this disgustingly repulsive life where I think even non-Christians would be like, okay, that's weird. Yeah, that's a little. That's weird. So so let me say this about anybody who's watching that podcast. I'm friends with a lot of people. So Tammy and I are watching that podcast, I mean that show. And I'm, I mean, my friends, like I'm watching them on video. Mm. And what makes me so sad is that they're being pulled down into that. And I know that they agree with me. Mm. And so, uh, you know, Jerry Falwell Jr., you know, obviously has some issues, but his little brother, who's my friend, who's now running the university, he's legit. Yeah. He's a completely different person, but you're never going to hear that story. No. You know, you're, you're only going to hear the prodigal son story. You're not going to hear the other son who's now trying to pick up the pieces and the damage. And so, so what I would say is for all of our doubters out there, there are a lot of Christians out there who are really trying to live this. This is something that we're, we're trying to honor God with our bodies. And it's not this hypocritical, um, I say one thing and do another, but this mm-hmm. is something that we're actually doing. And so, um, the reason that I preach on a different sexuality is I, I think we, we've gotten too comfortable as Christians thinking, oh, this is the norm. Yeah. So, so the norm is right. One man, one woman married for life. That's no longer the norm. Mm-hmm. And so we have to see ourselves as different rather than the same as everybody else. And this is why I think so many Christian parents are folding on this issue. It's like, oh, well, times change. Yeah. yeah but we're not called to go with the times. We're called to go with the one who made and invented time. So, you know, our beliefs are timeless. Now we have to figure out how to live those out according to the time in which we live because culture does matter, but we are called to live a different sexuality. And, um, you know, Paul says, let there not even be a hint of promiscuity named among you. And, and this is a big issue for Sandals Church because we, we attract a lot of non-Christians, mm-hmm. non-religious, uh, many people who have broken lives, messed up lives. And mm-hmm. so I don't want you to feel judged, but I want you to, to have judgment in terms of what you do with your body. And and this is such a huge issue. When you read throughout scriptures, sex comes up in almost every single book because it's one of the ways where I think if we're not careful, we're, we're the most animal-like. Yeah. So we just follow our impulses, our desires, and God has not called you to follow your natural desires, but he's given you heavenly desires. And so that's attention. And so for everybody that's young, I, I was uh, saying this to one of our staff members that's in his 30s and he's single and, you know, lust is just still an everyday problem. And here's the beauty. And I want everyone to listen. It does get easier as you get older. It doesn't go away, mm-hmm. but it does get easier as you get older. And and it's easier to manage these desires. So what I would say is hang on in your 20s, 30s. Mm-hmm. And then in your 40s, you know, there's a beautiful thing at 50, your testosterone and estrogen levels just start plummeting. And <laughs> you can actually start thinking and you know, functioning in life. And, um, it's been something that I've really, I, I, I've really appreciated, you know, some of the, the gay guys in our church who, 
have left the gay lifestyle. What do I mean by that? They've stopped having sex with other men and they've come to sandals. A lot of them are in their fifties mm-hmm. because all of a sudden they get this clarity and they go, okay, wait a minute. There's more than just, there's more than yeah. just my sexual desires. And that's why, you know, Michelangelo's statue of David is so important. You know, that's why the little penis matters, you know, and you Can that should, be the subtitle. For this I wish, question? I wish that you yeah. could just see Stephanie's face when I said little penis. Um, <laughs> because w- when you look at what, what is Michelangelo saying is, is, is the true beauty of man. He has, he has an oversized head and oversized hands. Mm-hmm. And so what we do with our, our, our lives is, is both mentally and, and physical, but, but it's sexual is such a small part of who we are. And so he's minimizing the penis and the testes in that statue. And what's so sad is, you know, Christians want to cover that up. And, and that's why I said, it's not nudity. It's the message behind the nudity. So mm-hmm. artwork when it's art, right? So we live in a culture where they try to, well, it's art. No, that's porn. And, and, and you know it, you, you know, pornography when you see it, you just do. And you know, artwork when you see it. And, um, you know, a, a woman's body can be presented as beautiful. A man's body can be presented as beautiful and it can be, you know, displayed as pornographic. It can. And so you have to exercise judgment on what that is. But it's just such a huge issue for us is what is the messaging that's happened behind this? And the, and the overall arching message in our culture is if you just pursue your sexual desires, you will be happy. And what I want all of our listeners to to just wrestle with is when is that ever true? Yeah, it, It's never true. There is no end they lived happily ever after. You know, after you've had sex, you now have to deal with what you just did forever after. And oftentimes the sexual attraction which is the easiest part of the relationship. The hardest part is emotional intimacy, spiritual connection, and then just the work of the, the relationships. Yeah, the logistics together, of yeah. relationships. Because, you know, when you're getting ready to date somebody, if you're single, you really need to ask, you know, can I work with this person every day? Because it's a job you don't get paid for, mm-hmm. but you have to work with them. You have to work alongside them. And, um, you know, whenever Tammy and I have had a sexual issue, it, it's it's almost always the result of logistical issues. Yeah, We don't have time. We have too many things in our schedule. There's her desires, my desires. There's the things that need to get done. We have different lists, mm-hmm. different priorities. Um, and so, you know, how do, how, do we, how do we make that happen? And so I just want everyone to listen is, if you just pursue your sexual desires, you will end up extraordinarily unhappy. Yeah. It does not, we've had, we have now had what, 50 years of the sexual revolution. People are not happy. Mm-hmm. Women are the worst. of all divorces instigated by women. Mm -hmm. So we have this narrative. So we have this cultural narrative, right? That men are dirtbags. Mm -hmm. We're the cheaters. We're the leavers. I think that was true in a time, but it's shifted because what women are finding out is I'm not happy. I mean, um, you know, you were a career woman when Mm -hmm. I met you, like all in, I'm going to change the world. We're just going to be a doctor or something. Yeah. That's what I want to do before I realized I would have to major in biology or chemistry. Yeah, 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 right. So, (laughs) So Stephanie's yeah. really smart. So she had a lot of opportunity, unlike mm-hmm. myself. You know, I was lucky you're, that you're any, smart too. well, thank you. I was lucky that any college let me in, you know, you could have gone anywhere, but you, your desires have changed. And so yeah. that's what I would say to the young people is you have no idea how much you're going to change as you yeah. age. So don't screw up your future with your desires for today. Yeah. And, and you just will. And it's why Pinocchio is so important. Go back and watch Pinocchio. Pinocchio is the story of, a young boy running from responsibility and mm-hmm. wanting to do whatever he wants. And so mm-hmm. what happens? He turns into an ass yeah. and becomes a slave. So what does he have to do to do that? So he runs away from his conscience. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jiminy Cricket in the book, do you know that he kills him in the book? Oh, he does? In the book, he smashes him against the wall. Oh. 
And so that's what Paul's saying, right? You know, they've seared their consciences. They've they've grown callous. They they Mm -hmm. pursue darkness. They do not want to feel convicted about anything. Um, You know, like with gay pride, why is it pride? Like I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't have straight pride. It's, it's this, not only am I mean, is glorifying what you're doing. It's saying, not only is this not wrong, but this is right. And I'm mm-hmm. proud of it. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. I'm straight. I'm not proud of all the desires I have. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of things where I'm like, whoa, that's, that's dark. And so we desperately, desperately need kind of a reset. We need a moral reset. And I think what Christians have been doing is we, we've been trying to reset culture through elections well, we just had one. It didn't go well. Didn't really reset much. No, it didn't reset, yeah. you know, anything. Um, and 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 now people are like, you know, what what do we do? I said, well, you get back to being the church, mm-hmm. and you start evangelizing and sharing Christ. And I don't believe we change people through votes. We change people through sharing Christ. Yeah. That's how we change people. So uh, tough message. I actually got a lot of good feedback. I haven't gotten yeah. any grotesque feedback yet. So I'm sure it's coming, but. <laughs> Just um, you know, I got, yeah. I got, a, I got overwhelming positive response from people because what I shared, and if you didn't listen to the message, go back. I think there's one point in the message where I go, okay, I'm going to just pull the pin from the grenade. I'm going to roll it out there and I'm going to mm-hmm. dive on it because what I'm saying is so against culture, but yeah. that's how Ephesians was written. Ephesians was against culture. So yeah. uh, give us your feedback, go back and watch that message and send us your questions. I'm sure that there are tons of questions for people who haven't got a chance yet to listen to it. So yeah. thank you. No, I'm super cool. And actually we're going to kind of continue that conversation. You talked about pulling the grenade, um, even having a great conversation here on the debrief, just about, you know, those who struggle with same sex attraction, what that looks like when you're following Jesus. So Megan actually on YouTube sent in a question. Thank you, Megan. She said, I love your explanation on how struggles of same sex attraction should be dealt with and how it's the action, not the attraction. That's a sin. Having friends and family who identify as LGBTQ plus, it makes me feel more confident in how to approach conversations on sex and my faith. Here's my question. I feel like a common response to the topic of homosexuality in the Bible is why would God make me this way if I'm not supposed to act on it? Do you believe that God truly does design some people to be gay or is it just a product of sin and Satan that has targeted certain people? Yeah. So there's multiple questions there. So Let's start up from the beginning. So let's break that down. The top part was what? She just said she loves how I talk yeah, about. Yeah, that you explain that it's the action, not the attraction. Right. So um, if you do any kind of deep dive, YouTube, whatever, uh, on problems with the text, one of the first things that the gay community does is attack the word homosexual. And they say it's a it's a bad translation. It probably is. Um, and then they'll say, well, it's a made up word. I want everyone to know every English word in your Bible is a made up word. So they didn't exist when the Bible was written. So every word is translated. So... That's one of the things that they use that's kind of like, you're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize it was made up. Every English word is made up. All language is made up, and it's built upon the backs of a previous language mm-hmm. because language is evolving and changing. All languages do. Like if, if you and I went back and tried to talk with Shakespeare, we'd be really, really lost yeah. um, because there's, there's so much. Like, do you know what the old English uh, word for man is? No. It's where. And it only is, survives in the word werewolf. Yeah, you ever wonder? It's man wolf. So, 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 right. So, but like we, we don't, and I think woman is with. Okay. So I, I think that somebody can go back, but language changes. It wasn't Mm -hmm. always woman and it wasn't always man. Mm -hmm. And so language is changing and we see remnants of the old English in werewolf, but that's the only place where it, it stays. Yeah. And so stuff like that is just weird. So we have to understand that. So, um, the, the Greek word arson, it's two words, arson, koitai, uh, which literally means arson is man, koitai is bed. 
So the, the prohibition is against men betting other men. And then Paul goes on to say that it is both the, 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 the man who takes the, uh, I'm trying to think, how do I say this? Um, so so in, in sex between a man and a woman, the man is, um, gosh, how can I say this and not just sound? Um, when a man and a woman have sex, there are roles that yes. are clearly defined. One, is one giving, receives, yeah. one gives. is gives. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. I'm trying not to make eye contact with you when I'm saying this, but when two men have sex right there, there's a, there's a conundrum Mm -hmm. who is the receiver, who is the giver. And so in ancient Roman world, it was thought that you were, you were only emasculated if you were the receiver. Mm -hmm. What Paul says is it is wrong for the Christian to be either. And so that's that's revolutionary there. So so it is wrong to arson koita. It is wrong to man bed. Whether you're the receiver or the giver, you should not do either of those. And so really, what it it should say is uh, it pro, it prohibits uh, homosexual sex yeah. intercourse, um, and that and that's what it should say. And so because then what you got is you got all of these homosexuals in the church that are just like, oh my gosh, I'm just sinning every day. Mm-hmm. You're a heterosexual. Mm-hmm. As a heterosexual person, you can either sin or not sin. Mm-hmm. Same thing with a homosexual person. You can either sin or not sin as a homosexual person. Like we don't choose our attractions. We choose what we do about our attractions. Yeah. And that is so important for the Christian. Um, and so so that's what I would say, f- first of all. The yeah. next, she says, were yeah. they born this way? Yeah. I really do not like this this uh, line of thinking mm-hmm. because when you hold a baby, you, you don't hold a baby. A baby's not sexual. A baby's a baby, mm-hmm. and um, they're not bo- born gay or, or born straight. I think that we're born with a certain genetic makeup. But here's one of the things that we're learning, and, and this is controversial, but I think this is true. So those who are progressive say that gender is um, right a social construct. Yeah. We know that gender is is scientific, mm-hmm. biological, but they're saying that's a social contract. But then when we come to sexuality, mm-hmm. right, it's, oh no, you were born it's this way. And I'm like, yeah. what is it? Like, can you choose? And so here's what I would say is, I think that we're all born, um, you know, with a, with a certain biological cocktail, but it just as much as, 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 as how we were born, it's where we were raised. What mm-hmm. did we experience? What, what, what were we exposed to? What happened to us? How did we interpret life? Um, you know, my childhood is not just how I, I see it or I perceive it, right? So my parents have a perspective, I have a perspective, and the truth is probably somewhere in between those two perspectives. And I would say, and, and this is probably controversial for a lot of you with child wounding, um, our parents' perspective is probably more accurate just because they're more mature, not always, but as a child, I interpreted things as a child. Yeah. And then I, I, I came up with understandings and um, those created desires and then those created decisions, then those created, you know, a, a, a life, life for me. Yeah. And now I have to live with that. And so I think that our, our sexual desires are far more social than we, we want to admit. And so mm-hmm. then every parent's like, oh my gosh, did I cause, my... no, no, I, you know, you're not responsible for your child turning out to be the next, you know, Abraham Lincoln, and you're not, you know, responsible completely if they turn out to be the next Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer's really popular. I, on this I, podcast. Yeah, yeah, people love, I had a feeling Jeffrey Dahmer was going to come. They love some yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer here. So, um, you know, and, and I think every parent should just be like, oh, okay, because no parent is perfect. So here's the thing is, w- whether you're born this way or not that way, you have a choice. Mm-hmm. The Bible says, choose this day in whom you will serve. We have a choice to make. 
And if I choose to follow Christ, the Holy Spirit is going to give me new desires, new strengths, and new direction and able to pursue no to my sexual desires. And so if everyone, especially the younger you are, these sexual desires feel overwhelming, mm -hmm. they feel overpowering, and 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 they they feel like you can't control them. And this is not just true for those in the gay community. I remember mm -hmm. years ago I was doing counseling with, with a guy and he ended up leaving his wife for this other woman. He says, what am I supposed to do? He said, I can't change how I feel. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa. So Christianity becomes real when you choose Jesus over how you feel. Mm-hmm. Because we're all going to have moments in marriage, and don't amen here because Tyler might be listening, <laughs> where, we, where we're like, I can't do this. Like this is this person that I I wanted to be married to is mm -hmm. crazy. It's not not who I thought. And so it's in those moments where we have to buckle down and say, okay, God, I'm going to follow you over how I feel. Yeah. And, and, and trust that not only is it the right thing to do, but it's the best thing to do yeah. for me. And when, you're going to hope that your partner is going to do the same yes, thing. Yes, amen. Like, amen. Yeah. So, um, but but when you're gay, right, you don't, at least at Sandals, you don't have that partner. Mm -hmm. So you have to make that decision by yeah. yourself. And that's why you need community. You need mm -hmm. friends. You need family members, you know, that are around you. Um, so, I, so I just don't like the line of thinking born gay, not gay, because you don't get it both ways. You don't yeah. get to say that gender is a social construct, but, mm -hmm. but homosexuality is not. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's, it's um, I don't think that we understand sexuality completely. Yeah. Uh, and that's not to say that I don't believe that male and female are our biological truth. Um, I, I think that those things are real, but but how we feel, what we're attracted to is mm -hmm. shaped incredibly by how we experience the world and then how we interpret how yeah. we've experienced the world. And those things impact us and affect us. And so yeah. if you're gay and you're listening, you know, God has a calling for you. Um, you know, some people in our church, um, you know, have a strong attraction for the same sex and they have a small attraction for the opposite sex. So what I would do is I would pursue, if you, if you're like, I can't be single, singleness is not for me. I would pursue that small attraction and ask God to, um, you know, increase that. Yeah. And so find someone that you can be with. And so I, I have a gay friend who said, I've never been attracted to a woman in my life. He's a guy. He said, but I, I found myself attracted to my wife. Hmm. And so he was drawn enough to her sexually to be married and, and, and he's happy. Yeah. He's happy. They have kids together. They have a family member together. But I have some friends that are like, man, I just, I, I, I have yeah. no attraction whatsoever in the yeah. opposite sex. And you need to be honest about that. And especially the guys in our church, like every gay guy in our church, women are like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. <laughs> and you just need to be upfront and not break hearts because yeah. that does damage. So, so, you know, that, that's huge. Yeah. Was it, what was the last part? Well, I think part? The, the core of her question is really, why would God make me this way if I'm not supposed to act on it. I think that can even go beyond the yeah. question of homosexuality or sexuality. Yeah. Like why would God give me this desire if he never, if I don't get to fulfill it, that could be desire for sure. Something sexual, like we desire for, you know, seeing people desiring to be married. Right. You know, why would God give us a desire, but not let me act on it? Right. And, and so here's the thing is desires come from your sinful nature. So not all desires come from God. Um, you know, like, and so this is, I, I'm not comparing homosexuality to murder at all. But sometimes we have desert, we have uh, desires for retribution. We were talking about O.J. Simpson uh, before the show started, right? He had a desire to punish his wife for her adultery. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's my opinion um, that he killed her. So um, that, that's my opinion mm -hmm. because, you know, I looked at the evidence. That's what I thought. Okay, he did it. But that doesn't mean it's right. You, we're not supposed to act on those desires. 
we're, we're, we, we're called to act on God's commandments. And the reason we have those commandments is they go against our desires. Mm-hmm. And so that's what people don't realize is God's commandments are, are to go over and above our own desires. And so that feels unfair, but the truth is God's commandments are for what's best for us. And, you know, we, we have to trust him. And that's really what it comes down to for all of us. Do I trust God? Do I trust him? Does, does he know what's best? Because I really, really want this thing right now. Mm-hmm. Do I trust God in this? Like f- for the simple thing like tithing, it's, you know, m- most people say, church don't tithe. And, I just want, and, and for those of you who don't give financially to church, fine, I love you. Tammy and I give 10% of our income to the church. And we've done that for 25 years. Mm-hmm. It's a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. I could think of a lot of things to do with 10% oh, of yeah. our income. I look at that every paycheck. But I do it because I believe that God knows better what to do with my money than I do. And so I trust him with that. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, we give to the church and we, we support the church locally. That's a, a small sacrifice. And it's not the same thing as, you know, being gay and saying, okay, I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to experience intimacy. But, you know, it's it's a sacrificial giving. It's, it's saying, okay, I'm, Jesus, you died for me. I'm going to give this up for you. And there's beauty in that. And God's not asking us to give up something that's good for us. He's asking us to give up something that's bad for us. And I may not understand that. Yeah, I may not understand, you know, that. And so for Paul, um, he believes that there's something wrong that happens to the man in, in the New Testament when he either engages in sex with a man or is, you know, whether he's the giver or the receiver, that it, it does something to you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that sex is a unique sin in that it is a sin against your own body. Mm-hmm. So... Christians love to say all sin is the same. Well, you've not read the scriptures. So, um, and it doesn't mean if you're in sexual sin, you're worse. It just means that what you're doing is worse to your body. Look at that in terms of disease. Mm -hmm. Look, I mean, you know, I don't know if I said this in the message. Look at everything we did to prevent people from getting COVID. We do nothing to prevent people from getting sexually transmitted diseases. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Um, You know, they're they're seeing um, throat cancer. I mean, that it's just, it's spiking in the UK. And and why is that happening? Oral sex. Because we've made a decision as a culture that oral sex is not sex. Turns out it is. Treat your body the same. It is. And uh, if it has the word sex in it, <laughs> it's <laughs> sex. So, um, so we're seeing young people now in their early 30s, late 20s, getting esophageal cancer, throat cancer, all kinds of cancers, because we've said as a culture, it's not sex if it's oral. And it's like, wait a minute, it is. And now, I mean, think about that. It's skyrocketing amongst young people because they think they're practicing safe sex and it's it's not safe. And so God knows what's best for you. And what he believes is best is that it's a man and a woman committed together in holy union, blessed by the church to, you know, to love and care for each other in sex. And so this is a huge issue. I actually got a question. I don't think you got this, but a woman was asking me just with the whole trans issue. And she said, mm-hmm. my daughter's, you know, has said she's asexual now. Um, she's not male nor female. She wants to change her name. What should we do? Mm-hmm. And so many parents are going through this. And again, uh, a great book for everyone out there is called, um, oh man, my mind just went blank. It's by Abigail Schreer. Uh, Irreversible Damage. There we go. Irreversible. It was back in there. I just got to find it. <laughs> I'm on cold medication. Um, by Abigail Schreier, and it's Irreversible Damage. And again, we're seeing this huge spike, particularly amongst women. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so trans people used to be almost 90% male. Did you guys know that? Until 2011, 90% male. 
men feeling like they're women. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, it's completely reversing. And for the first time, we're seeing women in droves. Mm -hmm. And so here's where, you know, um, we understand that there's social pressure on sexual on sexuality. You see whole friend groups saying, mm -hmm. Me too. we're trans, yeah. me too, we're trans. That does not happen unless there's, there's a social pressure. Um, I think it's cool, it makes you special, it makes you unique. And that's what we need to do as a church is we need to get back to where what makes me unique is my faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it's not coloring my hair. It's not uh, me being, um, you know, turning from a boy to a girl, from a girl to a boy or, or being asexual. So her daughter is not, she says she's not male or female. Mm -hmm. Well, in that case, you know, she's, um, what's the, what's the technical term for a person that is two genders? Uh, Non-binary. No, 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 no. I mean actual medical. Oh, hermaphrodite? Hermaphrodite. So there is a small percentage of people who are hermaphrodites, and, and that's that's a biological reality. Mm -hmm. So we need to have grace for those people. Um, that's a real thing. We need to have compassion for those people and for parents who have to figure out, okay, how do I raise this child? That's mm -hmm. a real thing, and we need to have compassion with that. Everybody else, um, you know, so if, if it, you know, so, and again, I'm, I'm pulling the pin and throwing myself on the grenade. To our trans community, so, so here's the hypocrisy, and I, my, my, uh, my cousin is trans and I love him very much. So it's not a medical condition, right? It's, it's just something that we need to embrace. So here's my question. Then why is Kaiser Permanente treating it? Kaiser Permanente is not in the business of treating anything that's not a medical condition. So when you go to the hospital and you have medical insurance and they're going to treat you for something, there has to be something wrong for them to treat you. So on the one hand, we're saying to the trans community, there's nothing wrong. And on the other hand, we're saying medical insurance has to cover this mm. because something's wrong. So even medically speaking, we're saying two completely different things. And I think we're doing great harm to our trans community. And we need to love them, care for them, help them work through this, and certainly never allow children to make decisions that last forever, mm -hmm. you know, when they're 10, 12, I mean, eight years old. I mean, this is just grotesque. I was talking to this with my cousin. He's 46 years old. He's trans. Look, I said, you're 46 years old. I love you. You're at 46. Make your decisions. Yeah, you do. But when you're 16, you don't need to be doing this. This is ridiculous. And, you know, blocking puberty, blocking growth. These things are, um, these things are just horrific. I, I worked with a family in our church. Their son wasn't growing. He was really small. You should have seen the hoops they had to get through to get him growth hormone. Mm because of all the side effects. Yeah. Now, if their son wanted to become a girl, red tape's gone. Yeah. You get straight to the front of the line. It's just ridiculous. Um, you know, all medicine is dangerous. All medicine has side effects. And here's the thing, if you're trans, what you think is once you change, you're going to be free to be yourself. You're going to be a slave to the pharmaceutical companies for the rest of your life. And these drugs are going to work for a bit mm -hmm. and then they're not going to work. They're going to have some positive effects and they're going to have extraordinary, terrible effects. That's what drugs do. Mm -hmm. They don't just magically, there's not like a magical pill, um, you know, that does that has no side effects. These have huge side effects, especially when we're dealing with hormones. Mm -hmm. Hormones is like, it, it's just, it's just really, really difficult to get that right. And so, um, so here's what I told her. She said, you know, what do I do? If you're a parent and you have a kid who's gay, you have a kid who's trans, you never pull away from them. All the passages of scriptures about having nothing to do with a believer who's in sin, 
That doesn't include you if you're a parent. You are to love them forever. And any church that tells you to have nothing to do with your child because they're gay or trans is a cult. Run away from that church. Mm -hmm. That is disgusting. The the parent-child bond is unbreakable, Mm -hmm. okay? And you are to love that child and care for that child. And so you just have to, you have to negotiate in good faith with your child and say, okay, here's what we believe. Here's what you believe. So, so my cousin, you know, he's changed his name, you know, from a male name to a female name. And I just said, okay, can I call you cuz? Cuz is non-binary. And we agreed. And so I just call him cuz. Hey, cuz. (laughs) C-U-Z. That's what I call him. He knows who I'm talking about. You know, I know who I'm talking to. It doesn't violate how I feel about him and it honors him. Mm -hmm. And, And we were able to come to that. So, um, you know, especially for those of you who are dealing with teens that are that are in the trans community, it's it's almost cult like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you just have to say, look, we love you, we care for you. Um, you know, if these are the decisions you want to make as an adult, biblically and spiritually, we disagree. But when you're an adult, uh, your brain is full, full, fully formed at 26. So I would say 26 needs to be the benchmark for any kind of, you know. Uh, Surgical change, yeah, hormonal change, yeah. anything like that. So at 26 years old, if this is something you still feel like you, like you need to do, you know, we, we, we are opposed to this, but we love you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and that's how God is. God's opposed to my sin, but he loves me. Yeah. So, so you have to main, maintain that and, and not get into arguments because a lot of parents just feel outmatched, outgunned. Mm-hmm. Um, and the truth is you just care about your kid. And that's yeah. what you need to communicate. I love you. Yeah. I, I care for you. And it's so painful for this gal who asked the question. She's like, look, we named our daughter this. Mm-hmm. She's changing her name. You know, and and, and yeah. if you're trans, you're rejecting the name that your parents gave you, which is not honoring to your mother and father. I mean, yeah. there, there's so many issues there. Yeah. Um I don't know, like I've had friends who've walked not on the trans side, but even like friends who's like, I think I'm actually gay. Like, mm-hmm. and their main question for like all the friends was like, well, will you still love me even if, Yeah. will you love yeah. me if like, and I remember like having a friend who like, she tested the waters with a lot of friends like, well, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Are you going to stick around? And a lot of her friends didn't. And who welcomed her with open arms was the gay community. Yeah. Um, and it was hard. It was hard to watch her go through that and go like, well, I thought this person loved me until I told them that I think this is how I feel. And so I think sometimes the question especially for a parent because will you still love me even if I go yeah. down this path? Sometimes that's what they're even looking for more so than what do I do here? Am I going to change this? It's like, are you still going to love me even if I do this? Yeah. And and they're going to look for who's going to still love them. And if it's us, like there's still a chance to help them figure out stuff yeah. before they make. And, and let me say this. Um, Christians screw this up all the time. Try leaving the trans community and the gay community. Mm-hmm. They will be brutal to you. Mm-hmm. So they welcome you with open arms. If you start having questions, you start challenging, you change, you know, uh, they're not nice. They're mm-hmm. not kind because there's a narrative, right? So, so here's the narrative. Everybody who transitions is happy. Just get on TikTok yeah. and just, just hashtag detransitioner. De- there are a lot of people who are not happy who are saying, you should not have allowed me to do this at 15. Yeah. And we shouldn't have. And there are going to be huge lawsuits in the next 10 to 20 years mm-hmm. because many of these people who tr- transitioned had surgery. Um, and I've had surgeries. There's numbness, there's pain, there's rehab, there's all kinds of things, you know, uh, and, and I had surgery on my knees, okay, not my genitals. So that is extraordinarily sensitive, painful. You could have problems going to the bathroom. You, you can have all kinds of problems for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And then you find out, oops, that I made a I mistake. Wanted, yeah. That was just a phase. Um, you know, I think about tattoos. 
I remember I wanted to get a tattoo and it was, I had it all drawn up. I was 19. I was in the military and it was like the skull vomiting bodies. And I, was, I thought it was so cool. <laughs> I wish you got that. I, no, my mother, my mother literally <laughs> said, if you get that tattoo, she said, if you get a tattoo, I'm not paying for college. And I was like, okay. And I, my mom, you know, she was not a perfect parent, but if she said it, she did it. And she never broke. Like she never broke. So I was like, okay, <laughs> but can you imagine if I just had this like, Hey, I'm a pastor, come to my church. And I have this skull, like vomiting, you know, like, <laughs> pus bodies or something and it with guns and bullets and and i just knew and well i changed mm -hmm. i mean think about your clothing think about what you wore five years ago ten years ago that changes mm -hmm. man when you're making a decision forever it's a big decision to make and, and and again that's why abigail schreer's book is so important irreversible damage when they cut something off they can't replace it mm -hmm. so you're you are now stuck with the decision you made and it's really painful and we're going to have all these girls who've given up you know, at 15, they don't know how they're going to feel at 35. Yeah. Like you were a career woman in your twenties and then you're like, Nope, I want to be a mom. Yeah. I want to be a stay at home mom. Yeah. I want to have kids. And that changed for you. Yeah. Um, and, and, and these women, because they've gone on testosterone have affected their uterus, have affected their ovaries. Ovaries. Yeah. Thank you. You guys yeah. see that? I, I, no. I was like, I, yeah, <laughs> that's about where they are. <laughs> that's about, I don't know where they are. I don't have ovaries. Uh, I think it actually causes their, their ovaries to shrivel and die. Oh yeah. So like, that's what testosterone does. Um, yeah, there are, there are negative, negative effects. Mm -hmm. And again, if you're trans, we love you at least get someone to talk to you. That isn't just like, you know, rainbows and, 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 you know, uh, donuts, you know, oh my gosh, it's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. There are some real challenges. And I love what Jordan Peterson said. We went to see him oh, did you? last week. I was wondering if you're going to go. Yeah. He said, you know, so much of people want to go to gender affirming counseling. Mm -hmm. And he just says, it is not the role of a therapist to, to, to affirm. The role of the therapist is to challenge and find truth. Yeah. And he just said, this is not right, man. And for so many people who are trans, it's oftentimes a therapist that puts that in their mind. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, you, you just need to really wrestle through this and pray through this. And, and if you're a Christian, you know, can you transition? I would say no. That's, that's a violation against the body that God's given you. You need to love him and serve him in the body that you have. And I'm sorry that you don't feel at home. You don't feel right. You feel out of place. Uh, I pray for you. I love you. But um, I would say that transitioning, in my experience, limited experience, uh, has complicated things, not, not simplified. Yeah. And I know that there are some people who say, oh, it's amazing. But we're seeing more and more people come out on social media and they're like, man, this, this was not right. Yeah. Um, you know, because after the eu euphoria fades, now you're left with the reality of your decision and, mm -hmm. and man, what, what do you do with that? Yeah. So, all right. So great question. Geez, one question, 35 minutes. <laughs> all right. So we're going to shift gears a little bit, still on the same topic, but uh, different side of sexual um, identity. Orlando from Whittier wrote in said Ephesians five, three through four says, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. He asks, what are some things that Christians joke about or foolishly talk about that are out of place in this current time? Well, I would just say as a guy, you know, my humor, my wife says I'm a 12-year-old boy. So um, I think that our, you know, our humor gets gross, gets coarse. It just happens. But really what Paul's talking about is, you know, the theater, the Greek theater. And so you would go to the theater and it would be funny and it would be hilarious and it's entertaining. And, and what I think so many Christians allow themselves is allow themselves to, to view things 
see things that are really challenging your sexual ethic or challenging your Christian ethic all in the name of humor. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, um, and, and, and comedy does this, you know, I mean, comedy, I think serves an important cultural role. It challenges norms. It, it attacks power. I mean, I think those things are good. It causes us to question things, but as Christians, you know, just in the name of humor, oftentimes we, we just watch this, you know, this thing. So like a lot of people watch friends, mm -hmm. you know, friends is really, you know, completely non-Christian values. You know, it's a funny show. It's a great show from the nineties. When I mean, mm -hmm. in terms of great, it, it did great. Mm -hmm but it completely rejects a Christian sexual and social ethic. Oh, I remember I watched it all the time through high school stuff growing up, like watching my mom all the time. Thought it was great. Rewatched it again a few years ago when it came out on Netflix. And I was like, Whoa, yeah. I was watching this at like 13 years old. I don't know if that was a good idea. Right. And so. it's, it's not a good idea. Yeah. And you know, again, what's, what's the message behind that? You can have true friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, really the show friends is it's a church. It's a church community. Mm -hmm. They're committed to each other, but there's no sexual boundaries. There's no sexual roles. Um, you know, but it all works out in the end. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Rachel ends up having a baby, but they're not going to support this. Like it, the whole thing is just so weird. Mm -hmm. They end up switching like they're like that, that doesn't work out well. It's, yeah. it's, it's just awkward and bizarre. Um, and so, you know, that's something that I think most of us would not consider not Christian at all. We would, we wouldn't even think about that. Um, you know, um, so I had a conversation with a gal in our, our um, small group. Is it Schitt's Creek? Schitt's? Yeah. Is it like, like, like the cuss yeah. word? Well, no, it's S, their last name is Shit, So it's S-C-H-I-T-T. -T. Yeah. But, but right. So it sounds a, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I think they chose that for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there's this, there's this character on there and he's hilarious. And I just told my wife, I said, this is glorifying. Um, you know, what I believe to be wrong. And um, I think it's important that we support masculine men who are heterosexual and are funny. W when do you see that in culture? Like you're only funny if you're gay. You're only funny if you're trans. Mm -hmm. you're, 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 you're dumb if you're a father. I mean, mm -hmm. when's the last time Disney had, you know, a, a program that... Um, their parents are even alive. Yeah, That's yeah. what I'm watching so, a lot of Disney with my kids right now. I'm like, their parents are all dead. I have to explain this to my kid. Like, Yeah. And so, uh, you know, part of the effeminization of culture is is media. And so I don't know if you guys know this, but they, they realized in the 60s and 70s that women and children are the ones that primarily watch TV and buy things. Mm -hmm. And so there was this huge shift away from pursuing men mm -hmm. because men don't buy. They weren't shopping. They weren't mm -hmm. buying things. And it really has led our culture uh, into effeminization. And so we're seeing that amongst our men, our men are not masculine, mm -hmm. uh, testosterone levels, sperm mm -hmm. levels, all these things are dropping. Um, you know, in the book, uh, the boy crisis, what he says so well, and I can't think of his name. If you guys can put that in the show notes, the boy crisis, whenever one sex wins, so male or female, the other, we both lose. Mm -hmm. And so we need to not have, you know, for far too long, you know, women were mistreated and, and, and treated terribly and treated as second class citizen. That's terrible. Mm -hmm. But now we've tilted it the other way and men yeah. are just, you know, put down, shamed, yeah. you know, um, just completely destroyed. And that's not good either for women because women are, are miserable yeah. and because there aren't men out there. So I think we need to really just say, okay, what am I watching? And again, what is the message behind this? Mm -hmm. Some things are funny, mm -hmm. like, um, you know, the, you know, the joke about, you know, the pastor's son, he's like, my penis, my penis. That's cute. It's funny. He's three years old. You know, he has one. He's just discovered it. He wants yeah. people to know. Um, that's funny. That's cute. You know, now when you're 30, not so cute, not so cute. you know, probably you need to go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I think we need to be careful of that. So I don't want us to become prudes. I don't want us yeah. to become, I, I don't want us to lack humor. 
I don't want us to not be compelling people intellectually. I, I think humor oftentimes is a sign of intelligence. I think that we should have humor, but we need to we need to watch things and allow ourselves to be entertained by things that don't subliminally um, take away from our faith. And so, you know, when I was a kid, the big thing was records backwards. So, like they, they would pray, you know. Pl- play the record backwards and young people are like, what's a record? It's called vinyl. <laughs> but you play it backwards. It'd be like the devil loves you or the devil hates you or something like that. And Christians, <coughs> excuse me, would freak out about that. I'm not so much concerned as the backward message, but what were they saying forward? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, music is destructive enough forward. You don't need to worry about what it says backwards or subliminally, but what is it? What is it saying? And so, you know, you go back to the nineties, the show Murphy Brown, mm-hmm. Right, I'm going to have a woman. I don't need a man. Well, it turns out culturally we need men. Yeah. Culturally, children need fathers, mm-hmm. and so now we have just this whole generation of of, of adults that have no dad, mm-hmm. and it's awful. Yeah. And so, you know, we shouldn't shame single moms, but we shouldn't glorify it. You know, the best for every situation is a mom and a dad at home. That's mm-hmm. the best thing for your kids. If you and Tyler split up it's going to be devastating to your kids. It yeah. just is. And I know, you know, we have um, people that come from divorced families are like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not that tweaked. Well, yeah. you know, that's, call that's me in 10 know, years. Yeah. You know, it affects when, when families are torn apart, you know, it affects, I remember when I was in high school, my best friend came to my house and he said, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? And I was like, I don't know. I guess my mom or dad dying. I was like, what's going on? He's like, my mom and dad are divorcing. And he was mm-hmm. a senior in high school. Oh man, He's never been the same. Never been the same. And um, we're not friends anymore, but I, I just remember that. And I was like, you know, my mom and dad weren't perfect parents, but they loved each other. They were committed to each other. And I'm so grateful for that. And, um, you know, that's important that you, that you, especially if you're thinking about getting married, that you raise kids and you say, you know what, in our home life, because everything else is so insecure, we're going to do the best that we can to make it secure. And then, you know, I, so many divorced people this week and we're like, thanks for that, Pastor Matt, punch in the face. Look, I love you. I'm not trying to, to shame you or to hurt you, but I still have to preach truth. Mm-hmm. And, and and there's a reason God hates divorce, and it's because of what it does to you as a, as, as the husband or the wife and what it does to your kids. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Yeah. Hey, thanks for checking out the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. The Debrief Podcast is produced by Sandals Church and is a show where Matt Brown answers questions on faith and culture. If you've enjoyed the debrief and want to help us create more content that helps people grow in their faith and in their journey of being real, I want to invite you to visit donate.sc. Thanks for joining us and God bless. Uh, So we looked up The Boy Crisis by Warren Farrell and what's the other author's name? John Gray. Gray. All right, so we've got one more question we want to jump into here. Uh, Jamie from Riverside wrote in and said, I'm 47 and divorced, not by choice. I've been single for four years. Dating is scary and the expectation of sex within a couple of days is heartbreaking. So I just don't date. It seems unsafe, but I'm ready for a godly man in life that shares my love for God and wants to experience life together. How do you believe I can navigate this without changing and giving into this worldly view and expectation of sex outside of marriage? The few times I've dated, I've been clear on saving myself for marriage, and obviously that is not the norm. Should I not be so vulnerable right away? Thank you for talking about this so openly. I just wish there was a safe place to meet people that share the same beliefs and views without making me feel like I need a change for this world. Yeah, so thank you for that question. And so if you go back to the beginning of the message, what I said is uh, when it comes to my sexuality, uh, there are people who have a biblical spiritual worldview, and then there are people who have a, um, I forget what I said. Uh, it a was personal. a personal and I, I can't remember what I, um, a cultural, a cultural personal view. Yeah. Most Christians, most Christians today, 
do not have a biblical spiritual view when it comes to sexuality. Mm -hmm. That's just the norm. Most people who call themselves Christians have a cultural, personal view of sexuality. And so what that means is they have a whole list of excuses. Well, these are my desires. God made me this way. This is what I want. We love each other. There are all kinds of excuses there. And because ultimately what they've, the decision they've made as Christians is God is not in charge of my body. I'm in charge of my body. And so you can make that decision. It's just not a biblical Christian decision. Mm -hmm. Scripture teaches that your body was bought with a price. Your body is no longer your own, so therefore glorify God with your body. And so I just want to say, let me commend you, and I, mm -hmm. I appreciate the fact that you want to honor God in this. I, I hear you that this is extraordinarily difficult. Yeah. But here's the thing. You don't want to be married to any man that would violate this for you. Because no. if, if up front a man is unwilling to value what you hold dear, you don't want that guy. Yeah. That's not the guy for you. You want a guy that cherishes you and honors you beyond your body. Mm -hmm. That's just the bottom line. Sex is easy. Marriage and relationship is, is hard. It's difficult. Yeah. And so uh, it's really easy to jump into bed. It's really, really hard to, to live out a marriage. And the best way to do that is by saying, look, this is something that I'm going to save. Um, and I'm not saying you need to date for 10 years. Um, I think you need to know who this person is. You need to know who their friends are. You need to know, you know, something about their background, especially as you age. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's just so much to this person that you probably don't know. You know, I, I've said for years, we shouldn't call it dating. We should call it lying because what we're doing <laughs> is we're putting up our, our, our best foot, I oh, guess yeah. you could say, but oftentimes it's our fake foot. It's not yeah. who we really are. And so you want to date somebody long enough so that you can get to know who they really are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the ways that you can get to know who somebody really is, is by seeing if they'll honor your sexual boundaries. Yeah. And, well, and I would say even too, like wanting those own sexual boundaries for themselves too. Yeah. I think even more so than what, finding someone who's willing to put, put up with, for lack of a better word, yeah. your desire is that they desire the same thing too. It's a whole different game when you're both trying to honor God with your body. You're both trying to pursue God and not have sex outside of marriage. It's like, you may find a great person who's willing to put up with that, but for how long? Like you want some, like right. Yeah. Dating Tyler and not having sex before marriage was easy because we both wanted right. that. I wasn't looking for someone who was willing to put up with that. I was looking for someone who wanted that outside of me too. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Um, and I mean, you and I talked a lot about this. We spent a lot of time together. Um, you know, I was kind of like your big brother. Mm -hmm. So I was like what pastor boss, uh, landlord and brother. <laughs> yeah. So, and I just really challenging you, like, look, man, here's, mm -hmm. here's the things that you need to be thinking about asking for. And again, this is why community is so important um, you know, you wanted what was best, mm -hmm. Steph, but you were also willing to listen to a guy who's saying, look, I want the best for you. And here's, here's what you need to be aware of and mm -hmm. be watching out for. Yeah. And that's just so important. So the first thing I would say is get in community group with people. Mm -hmm. Um, and what you're looking for is someone probably like you that got divorced, not because of that's what they wanted. Yeah. Uh, but that's something that happened to them because, you know, uh, for anyone who's divorcing, gets remarried, man, there's a lot of baggage that you bring to that relationship. There's a yeah. lot of wounding, there's a lot of hurting, and you really need to, to be careful, you know, who you, you jump into marriage with again, because you're, you're wounded. Yeah. And, and so what I would say is, what was her name? Jamie. Jamie, I would say is spend some money on some counseling, really mm -hmm. get some healing, really focus on yourself. Yeah. And, and not focus on being lonely, but saying, okay, in this time alone, I'm going to really grow and I'm really going to heal. And I'm really going to dig deep into, you know, my spirituality, my life, fill your candle calendar with service, connect with others, connect with community. Mm -hmm. You know, I hear singles all the time and I know you used to say this, so I don't want to be the third wheel. My wife and I love the third wheel. Like yeah. we, we love being around single people. We, we love having them in our life. And, 
Um, the only time I feel like somebody's a third wheel is when they're weird or, you know, they're just not fun. Yeah. But if you're fun and you're single, um, mm-hmm. you know, man, that that's great. You know, Tammy and I don't consider a third wheel as a competition. We, we mm-hmm. consider it as a compliment and we love hanging out, spending time with that. And I, I just think that's a, that's a lie that single people feel. Yeah. Oh, I just, I don't, I don't fit in. And sometimes I'd rather go out to dinner with a single person than a married couple. Like mm-hmm. I, I would rather go out to dinner with a third wheel, single person who's fun, vibrant, has a lot going on than a boring married couple. They can't talk, yeah. man. I mean, I just like, <laughs> I like tell, I tell Tammy, don't ever make me go to dinner with him again. They, they, they suck the <laughs> life out. They suck the joy out of life. Um, but this single person, man, they got mm-hmm. something going on. Their life is incredible, man. And man, it gives I, you perspective yes. on like, oh yeah, there's a whole other world out there than just what we're living in right now. Like we love, like we have a couple of single people in our small group. I love hanging out with. Yes. Yeah. It's great. Do you like go when I used to be free? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what you I'm just doing whatever I want all day. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, I, I remember know. when Matt said that. So, so, you know, that's just huge. And I just appreciate the authenticity and, you know, even mm. on, you know, Christian websites, Christian mingle, you know, not, a lot of that's just Christian, fake. They just yeah. want to mingle. <laughs> it, it's just not normal, you know, and I, I mean, I, man, I, I counseled this gal in our church. She was dating this guy for years and he was in multiple relationships the whole time he was with her. And it's just so heartbreaking. And so, um, you know, just, just say this, you don't have to be married. You're, you're perfectly fine. Single mm-hmm. the way you are. Uh, you can long for that, but you have to serve God where you are. And you and I yeah. used to talk about this all the time. I mean, you, yeah. I remember when you turned 30 and you're like, this is not what I want for my life. I want to be married, but it's like, look, you know, Steph, you got to serve God where you are. Yeah. Yeah, and it took like intentional decisions of I'm going to live my life now. I'm going to live my life and do the things that I want to do now, not waiting to do those things until, you know, I have the life that I want. And it, I enjoyed my singleness so much, probably 25 on. Like, I think I hit 25. I was like, man, I thought I'd be married by now. I guess I could stop waiting to, like I went and bought some dishes that I liked. I'm like, I'm not waiting to like put these on a wedding registry. I'm just going to buy the dishes yeah. and enjoy my life and live my life. I was super busy. You know, the last part of your question there says, I wish there was a safe place to meet people that share the same beliefs and views without making me feel like I need to change. Like that place is the church. Yeah. Like I, I poured my life into the church, you know, with healthy boundaries. You're not expected to live here every day, but serve a ton, get involved in a bunch of things, find out what you like. That's where you meet people. Tyler and I met because we were both serving in the church. Yeah. Um, it is possible. It does happen. There are people here who are looking for the same thing that you are and aren't just looking to hook up or aren't just looking to date. Like I know it's hard to find people now. Everything is on dating apps and all that, but the I church hate, is still dating apps. Oh, me too. I've met weird. I did that for a little bit, met some weird people, lucked out, got to meet a person in person. I know that's not always the opportunity for everyone, but yeah, the church is the place that you get to do that. It's a safe place. Everyone is believing the same thing. We're all trying for the same thing. And you can find someone who is already trying to do the same stuff as you. You don't have to try to drag them along into yeah. what you believe. And so, I mean, there's really, you know, cause we, we never truly know who somebody is, but there's really f- like four things. Number one, church attendance, which I think is, is the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they go to church. Great. Okay. Well, that, that doesn't mean anything. You know, there, we have total idiots at our <laughs> church. So, um, you know, it's a safe place to be real. Mm-hmm. Next, are they serving? What do they do with their free time? Like, so, so that's the first thing, you know, so, mm-hmm. so what's her name? Jamie. Jamie, you know, where is he serving at? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you met your, uh, your husband met you because you were making announcements and he was like, Oh, yeah. I like her. Well, he signed up to volunteer on a team. Didn't know that was the team that I led. And oh, okay. that's how, but yeah, he signed up to volunteer serve on a team. I was already on that team, leading that team. And that's how we met. We were both trying to work together and our first interactions were working together on something for the church. He was writing poetry. I was getting it onto our social media. Like we got to work together, not right. just me and mingle, you yeah, know, yeah. it was just nice. So you know? attendance service and then giving. 
do they give? Mm -hmm. And so, and so here's why giving is so important. If you're single is it really shows you what they value. Mm -hmm. Like, is there any teeth to their faith at all? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then the next thing would be is sexual boundaries. Are they committed to, uh, sexual purity? And so, um, you know, like I was in, I was in Atlanta last week, you know, alone by myself in a hotel room, you know, and my wife's just like, okay, you know, are you going to be okay? And I was like, yeah, because my sexual ethic doesn't come from you. Mm -hmm. It comes from God. And so I'm not, I'm not one person when I'm alone and another person with my wife. I'm the same person because I have a conviction about who I am. And Mm so opportunity and, um, location doesn't change that. I don't, I don't live one way when I'm with her and I don't, you know, live another way when I'm apart from her. Um, yeah, that's not to say that I, I never feel tempted or anything, but when I do, I have accountability. I can talk to her. You know, I have, I have just 20 names instantly that I could call of people say, Hey guys, I'm, I'm really struggling with this. Could you pray for me? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, so that just, just really, really huge. And just, just know you don't have to be married to be complete as totally. a Christian. Yeah. So three major singles in the Bible, Jesus, obviously, the Apostle Paul mm-hmm. is another one that's huge, and Jeremiah. Hmm. So, you know, God says, you know, I, I've, I've chosen you to be single, and these people had an incredible, incredible life. And so marriage is something that you enjoyed. Hopefully there were things about marriage that you enjoyed and liked, mm-hmm. and, you know, you can look look back upon that. Like Tammy and I right now are empty nesters. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we look back at those times, the things that we enjoy with fondness, and then we don't miss the things that were difficult because kids are difficult, mm-hmm. but we don't just sit around depressed because those days are gone. Yeah. We embrace the day, you know, that it is and life continues to change. I mean, that's the one thing that you can count on. Tomorrow will be different. Life keeps changing. You keep mm-hmm. getting older. That's what keeps happening. And, um, you know, this, this weekend at Sound Church is 25 years. That's why I, it, it is so weird to me. And I'm going to share this in the sermon, but I've been telling everybody that I started Sandals Church at 27. Mm-hmm. Total lie. I was 26. <laughs> So this is what's so weird when Tammy clarified that issue for me. I have I have been at Sandals one year less than I had been alive when I started this church. Oh my gosh. I know. Tammy was not 25 when we started Sandals Church. So Tammy was 24. Oh wow. So she's been at Sandals longer than she was alive. That's so you know, the world keeps changing and and life keeps changing. And I posted a picture on social media today of you know, some of our staff, I think that were on staff before you were here and you were, yeah. you're like a dinosaur at Sandals, <laughs> but the, these are like, you know, even yeah. further back than you. And, you know, those people were great. They were here for a season, their sadness and the fact that they're gone, but mm-hmm. man, the church keeps going and God keeps bringing new people. And, and I just keep loving them and embracing them and celebrating them. And, and, and that's the thing is, you know, just trust that this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And whether mm-hmm. you're single, gay, straight, whatever you are, I'm going to serve God today. I'm going to trust God today. I'm going to love God today. And I'm going to, I'm going to make the most of today. Yeah. And, um, so I'll be praying for you. Um, you know, um, you know how much I loved you when you were single and prayed for you. I pray for all of our singles. I I pray for all of our LGBTQ plus community. You guys matter so much to me. Mm -hmm. I love you. Um, and, and, and that matters to me. And, And again, what I'm trying to teach you guys is Jesus said that, that there's a narrow road that leads to life. He says broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the, the road that leads to life. And there are few that find it. Mm-hmm. I want everybody, I want every one of our listeners to be the few that find it. Yeah. The, the road to happiness. So this week, Paul said they have wandered from the life that God gives. Mm-hmm. Look at how miserable our culture is. Mm-hmm. We're, we're fatter. 
We have more, more food, more things than we've ever had in human history. Poor people eat like kings today and we're miserable. Mm -hmm. And that's because stuff doesn't matter. Uh, people are married and they're miserable. People are single and they're miserable. People are straight and they're miserable. People are gay and they're miserable. It's because we were made for God and we need to find him. Yeah. And so these, this emptiness, these wounds, these hurts, those are opportunities for you in that to find God who is the healer. And um, so, mm -hmm. so why does God allow these things? So that perhaps Romans 8 says you might reach out and find him. Mm -hmm. So it's in our woundedness, in our pain, in our suffering, that we discover a need for God, reach for God, and then ultimately find God. Yeah. Because um, if life was great, you know, why were Adam and Eve looking at the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Because everything was great. They were yeah. bored. And they're like, you know what? Maybe we could spice this up a little bit. <laughs> so, well, thank you very much, Grandma and Grandpa. Appreciate that. We all <laughs> suck now because of your tasty fruit that you enjoyed. So, uh, great question. Love you guys. Yeah. Uh, thank you for Stephanie co-hosting today. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. It's good to have you back. Yeah, it's Older, good to be here. wiser. Older. Yeah, still beautiful. A little more tired. Yeah, yeah, a little more tired. A lot more tired. <laughs> a lot more tired. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for watching on YouTube, listening in on our podcast. Um, please keep sending in questions at move.sc/ask. Share this with your friends. This, there are great conversations happening here. Uh, great conversations. We would love to keep continuing as you guys send in questions and invite more friends to listen in. So thanks so much for joining us. We're glad you're here.